What's up, everybody? Hardest part of the ring here again. Back at you with some NWA talk. And no, I am not talking about those fellas with an attitude. I'm talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. Woo! Alright, ignore that. Um, So if you don't know... Uh, NWA has made a resurgence in the past few months or so. Um, really, actually, look, really more than that. Um, obviously, so look, I was born in 1993, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have all this advanced knowledge about what the NWA w- and what the NWA was and kind of, you know, how it's progressed. But I can tell you, for one thing, that the NWA is a great palate cleanser for all the bullshit we have nowadays. You know, you have AEW, you have NXT, you have New Japan, you have all these various independents around the around the country, around the world really, and you get a lot of the same thing. At times it feels like independent wrestling kind of has its own style, which some people like. I get that, but for me, the thing that makes wrestling great is the characters and the storylines. You know, you obviously have the bell-to-bell stuff to to uh, to pay off all of the build that's been created between two characters or two entities of some sort in wrestling, right? That's what made Stone Cold and Rock so great. That's what made Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes so great. It's not that they were doing shooting star presses into super kicks it's not they were doing suicide dives all over the place it's that they had a story behind them it's that their characters were strong their characters were defined and they gave the audience an understanding of who these people were and why they were fighting and that is something that is unfortunately very absent nowadays and that is something that I feel gets overlooked and I feel get I feel gets brushed to the side. But then you have a company like NWA come back. You have their YouTube show NWA Power. You watch these characters and you understand what made wrestling so great back in the day. You understand why it was such a phenomenon, such a pop culture phenomenon. It's not the moves they were doing. It's the performance they were giving based on their characters. And that is something that NWA is striving to bring back. And it's something that I personally am a huge, huge fan of. You know, because there's no there's no pomp and circumstance, right? Um, you know, on NWA Power, there there's no music in their entrances. There was on the pay-per-view, we'll get to that. But, you know, I don't know if it's going to be something where, like, on the shows they have music or they don't have music on the pay-per-views they do. But you watch NWA Power on YouTube, and there's no music. They kind of just walk out. You know, they have they have the the classic podium that they had back in the day, with um with a, whoever interviewer is there. That you know where you would see these old Ric Flair promos or old Dusty Rhodes or old uh, Harley Race promos on that on that podium in this studio. This very intimate crowd watching, and you're just watching people talk, and they're not they're not yelling at the camera generally. And then they're talking, and it, it feels organic. It doesn't feel like a, like a, like a, like a cookie cutter formulaic. Let me let me get my let me get my catchphrase in. 
let me let me get my cool insult in. Let me do something to pop the crowd and then bang, bang, boom, do it all over again. No, it's people talking from their heart. It's people talking. I listened to a, a podcast with Billy Corrigan and Dave Lagana, who are the executive producers of NWA Power. And they basically said that these guys have no script when they when they go out and cut a promo. And really, you can't because you're in that intimate setting, right? I mean, it's a studio. I don't know how many people it holds. Maybe like 100 or so. Maybe a little more than that. But, you know, the crowd interaction is a big part of it. For to give one example on one of the shows, you had Eli Drake come out there, right? And he, you know, he's he's doing his promo. He's he's doing, you know, he's going through the bullets that he needs to hit. He's doing his typical Eli Drake thing, which I love. But then the crowd starts chanting something. And if you're not familiar, so if if, if you're if you're listening to this, you're either one very familiar with NWA and you just want to hear about the pay per view and my takes on it, or you have no idea why I'm talking about NWA and you're interested about it and you're interested with what they're doing in modern day wrestling. But just you know. I say that because you may or may not have seen the episodes, but there's basically this one character called the question mark, who's basically just this guy who wears a mask and a black singlet, and he calls himself the question mark. It's it's a whole it's a whole thing. I can't really explain it. Uh, I can't do it justice. But this guy called the question mark, he has a match, and then in the next segment, Eli Drake comes out and cuts a promo. As Eli Drake is cutting this promo, because question mark is so over, people in the crowd are chanting question mark. As, as Eli Drake is cutting his promo, so they're going, question mark, question mark. And Eli, Eli Drake stops him, and he's like, you guys are talking about a question mark, but I'm going to give you an exclamation. <laughs> that's like, that kind of improv is so awesome. That, 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 and that's what makes it so great, right? Because there's no script. So a lot of what they have to do is rely on their, what they really feel inside them about storylines they're involved in and they, they speak passionately from the heart or you know just with their general humor or their general wit and it really separates somebody who is not apt to talk on the mic from somebody like Eli Drake who is just tremendous at it um, and that part really that aspect of this the unscripted promos it really really is uh, indicative of the genuine nature of this show because you know it's like I said there's no there's no music there's no pyro there's no f- flashing lights there's no there's no there's no stupid gimmicks I mean there, okay there there are stupid gimmicks I just talked about a guy called the question mark but you know what I mean it's 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 very bare bones it's bare bones there's a prominent amount of emphasis on the characters and rivalries between those characters and that it's I say it's an old school feel. And people, when people hear old school, they kind of might they might associate that with outdated, but it's not. It's it's different. I'm not gonna say it's better or worse because at the end of the day, wrestling is subjective. Some some people really might not like this. People really might not like NWA and what they're doing. That's fine. But personally, I think wrestling is at its strongest when the characters are also at their strongest, and rivalries and feuds mean something, which make championships mean something which make matches mean something which makes the show mean something and to me nwa is still in its infancy as far as its return goes as far as nwa power goes but i see this this promotion building to something great and i think people are going to keep coming i think people are going to keep jumping on the bandwagon 
we'll get on we'll get more into that later with a huge name jumping on the bandwagon at the end of the pay-per-view but <clears throat> just in general i love nwa i love what they're doing and um i hope they stick around for a long time because i think this is something that is desperately needed and all the craziness of wrestling nowadays you need something like this like i said it's a palate cleanser it's no bullshit it's bare bones and it's still very entertaining so if you have not given NWA Power a chance, I strongly suggest you do that. Like I said, it's on YouTube. Just type in NWA. They have their own YouTube channel. Go to that. It's all free. Like, there's no reason not to watch it. Unless you're an asshole, which maybe you are. It's a, it's something new. It's something different. In my opinion, you know, a, AEW tries to brand themselves as the alternative to, for pro wrestling, but in my opinion, NWA Power is that true alternative. So if you haven't given it a shot, I strongly suggest that you do that. Um, but I'm sure a lot of you listening already have given it a shot, and you may or may not have watched NWA Into the Fire. And if you did not watch the show, I would definitely suggest it. I wouldn't say it was the perfect show. There were definitely some parts that I did not like. Um, but there's a lot of stuff I did like it. At the end of the day, it's an easy watch. It's like a little over two hours. And, you know, with all these fucking eight-hour pay-per-views we get nowadays, a two-hour pay-per-view is a, a very easy watch. And, uh, like I said, it's something different. Um, it's different even if you have been keeping up with NWA Power. Because uh, I, I was very curious. I was curious as to how they were going to make this feel like a big show. You know? Because, like I said, it's a very intimate crowd. It's it's in a studio, just like it was back in the day. My my thought, not not my concern, but my just my curious my curious thought was, how are they going to take this in today's day and age? Because today you see these huge ten thousand, hundred thousand plus stadiums, arenas, whatever you may have it. You have these huge venues filled with people and all the, all the lights and the and the fireworks and the cheerleaders and the whatever the whatever the fuck wrestling company might have for a pay-per-view and then to go over to an nwa and just have like this small little little building how are they going to make that feel like a big deal and a very subtle thing they did was just add entrance music to the guys' entrances which like i said on the on the on their weekly tv show they don't have that so just a simple addition of music made it feel like oh shit this is something big um and, you know, just the matches were longer than you would generally see on the TV show, things like that. And it felt it felt cool. It felt like a bigger deal than you would get on the normal TV show. So uh, straight from the top, first match was Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson. Sorry, Mr. Anderson. Um, so this match started Anderson. So th- th- these guys basically... As far as the build to this match goes, they both want to be NWA champion. This match match is almost like kind of a stepping stone to the number one contendership, really. I mean, you have, um, I think the week before, Eli Drake like attacked Ken Anderson in the back with a turnbuckle. So that kind of added a, a little layer to the storyline. But at the end of the day, it's two guys that are on top of the heap fighting for that number one spot. So... Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson. Uh, Ken Anderson, obviously a lot of you guys know him from his WWE run or maybe his TNA run. Um, I wasn't even really sure he was still wrestling until I started watching NWA. It definitely seems like he's in the uh, 
the twilight of his career. I mean, I know he's he's already had like a a shit ton of injuries in his career. Um, and he doesn't seem he's still. I mean, he's still in decent shape. He's definitely like tapered down since we last saw him. Even like TNA, I think he's definitely gotten a little softer. Doesn't seem like he has like the same fire he used to have, but still, still can definitely put on a show. Still has that charisma. I've always thought him and Eli Drake had a similar. I don't know if it's like a. I don't know if it's there, it's like raised in the same area or what, or if their humors are just very similar. But I, I've always compared them, Eli Drake and Ken Anderson, as far as their their promo ability goes, as far as their as far as their characters go. So it was kind of a I don't want to say a dream match between these two, but it was cool to kind of see these two very similar characters lock up. Um, it was a decent match. You know, it was probably like uh, what ten minutes or so. Um, I don't have the times in front of me or anything, but it was a good match. This match really highlighted how how athletically talented Eli Drake is and um, how crafty of a veteran Ken Anderson is. And a simple, a cool, simple finish. You know, Eli Drake, um, or sorry, uh, Ken Anderson's going for a sunset flip power bomb. Eli Drake basically just sits down. The old, uh, the old bulldog Bret Hart finish. Uh, Eli Drake sits down and it grabs Ken Anderson's legs and keeps his shoulders down for the quick pin. Good finish. Pretty good match. Um, it was a good start to the show. And then another aspect that I didn't even get into. We all know the thing that happened with Jim Cornette and the whole the whole Trevor Murdoch thing where he said he would um what did he what did he say? He said that he, if he had KFC on his back, he couldn't get through Ethiopia. I, I'm paraphrasing, but whatever line he said, he that that racially insensitive line that he said um basically got him booted from the commentator's table cuz it was it was originally uh Jim Cornette in the color position with Joe Galley as the play-by-play. Um, but Jim Cornette was booted. He, he quote-unquote resigned from his position. So they replaced him with Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett, which I've never heard. I, I, from what I understand, Wade Barrett's done some commentary before in certain uh, British uh, independents. Um, but I, I was not aware of it, or I've never, at least I've never heard it personally. But man, oh man, Stu Bennett is dynamite at the commentator's table, man. Like legitimately one of the best that I've I've definitely one of the best going today for sure. Because he has like first of all, he has the voice for it, like just like the tone of his voice. The like that you know what I'm saying? And then he has because as a commentator, it's something I feel like gets lost on people. Your goal is to put the talent in the ring over and that sounds like such a simple premise but so many people are focusing on you know like you have jim ross now right he's just focused on you know people not hooking the legs properly or um you know people taking too much time to do certain moves which a lot of that is warranted don't get me wrong but you could you could you could uh, manipulate your phrasing in a way to tie it into the character into the into that universe which people like Jim Ross don't do. Even people like I don't know, people like Corey Graves don't do that very don't do very well a lot. Um but Stu Bennett is great at that. He's great. He immerses himself in the universe and he's very articulate when he does it. So it is just his voice. I I wanted to commentate my entire life, man. Loved Stu Bennett at the commentator's table. Just wanted to throw that in there because I thought he was such a great part of the show. So yeah, you have Eli Drake beating Ken Anderson. Next match, Thunder Rosa versus the the debuting Tasha Steeles. Uh, Thunder Rosa. Um, I mean, I personally am not too familiar with her her background, but from what I understand, she's also a 
a uh, mixed martial arts competitor and has experience uh, wrestling in Mexico and other places like that. So she has that Lucha Libre style mixed in with the MMA style, which, in my opinion, the women's division in NWA isn't uh, isn't the strongest, but Thunder Rosa is definitely a diamond in the rough as far as that division goes. And her her opponent here, Tasha Steele, she this is actually her debut. Um, she hasn't been featured on NWA Power or anything. This is her first match, which I thought was curious. Basically, a uh, Puerto Rican. I don't know. I get. I get. From what I understand, that's her gimmick is that she's Puerto Rican. Um, but she she had a lot of charisma. She came out, and cut a promo. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to what what she brings to the table because a lot of the women on the NWA roster don't really have a lot of. They don't have a lot of star power. They don't have a lot of a lot of conviction on the mic. But Tasha Steeles definitely seems like she could bring a lot of that to the table. So I'm excited to see what her future holds. Um, as far as this match goes, it's pretty good. I mean, um, kind of pretty much all you can ask for as far as like a match that really didn't have a lot of build to it. Um, but, you know, Thunder Rosa gets the win here. Uh, they're definitely building her to be the the next contender for the for the women's championship here. Um, so no surprise there. But definitely a, a, a good match. Uh, but, but after the match, another women's competitor in NWA, Ashley Vox, she comes out because uh, Thunder Rosa, after the match, starts beating up on on Steels, and then Ashley Vox comes out to try to save her, and then she gets the shit kicked out of her. Ashley Vox does, and then she gets basically her arm broken, and Ashley Vox is in a match later in the show, so that's basically setting up. Okay, is she gonna be ready to compete in a few, in a few minutes in the show, or is she gonna have to be replaced, or is it gonna be a handicap match? So you know, um, typical stuff you see, but they did it. As well as they could have. Uh, the next match, Trevor Murdoch versus the question mark. Yes, I said Trevor Murdoch. Um, apparently, he is still wrestling. Um, he's definitely gotten a little bigger since we last saw him on, uh, on WWE. But he's still still got that same style he has, did that no bullshit, that, uh, that Dick Murdoch, Harley Race style. It's definitely something, you know, NWA... Their whole uh, their whole gimmick is that they're basically an homage to the days of old, and Trevor Murdoch fits right in there with that. And to see him mix it up with kind of the new the new breed is something very interesting. I think that's a very necessary part of the show. Um, but here we have Trevor Murdoch facing the question mark, and uh, yeah, the question mark is, is super over for some reason with that crowd. Um, he's basically Josephus. Who, I don't know if he wrestles anywhere else other than NWA, but he was on the first few episodes. So this is literally just Josephus. If you don't know who Josephus is, he he is how his name sounds. Whatever you're picturing, that's what Josephus is. But the question mark is basically Josephus wearing a mask. And uh, he's from uh, the, the, the hailed country of Mongrovia. I, I've summered in Mongrovia a few times, so I could say that it's definitely a prestigious place to call your home. So the match ends up, and um, question mark by the way is uh, has formed an alliance with uh, Aaron Stevens, the former Damian Sandow, and uh, this match starts out and basically. Okay, sorry. So sorry, it's a lot to unpack here. So the question mark is not only a proud member of the Mongrovian uh, community. But he is also a third-degree black belt in karate. Um, not karate. Karate. And um, he's basically the 
TEC, so he's been teaching karate to Aaron Stevens. So Aaron Stevens comes out in his gi and his third degree black belt. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, question mark is not a third degree. He is the, uh, the I'm sure the the highest on black belt you could be in karate. But Aaron Stevens is only a third degree um, from his teachings from the question mark. So Stevens comes out in this gi, basically sitting standing ringside with. The question mark. But before the match begins, they start with the Mongrovian National Anthem. And if you watch nothing else on this show other than that, I would suggest give that a watch. Because watching the question mark sing the National Anthem of this made-up fucking country in this made-up fucking language with Aaron Stevens standing, trying to keep a straight face next to him holding the, the Mongrovian flag is one of the one of the greatest things I've ever seen as a human. So that was good shit. Uh, good shit pre-match. Loved it. Loved every second of it. But the match itself was what kind of was, what it was, was whatever. Um, Trevor Murdoch is a, a true veteran. I kind of He's one of those guys, for some reason, I just I, I love watching him wrestle. I mean, Question Mark, obviously, is a, a comedy character at the roots. So it, the match is only going <laughs> to be, but so epic. But for what it was, I thought it was great. A lot of the crowd was into it. And yeah, good, good on both of them. See, so you had uh, the question mark eventually coming out on top with the dreaded Mongrovian spike to the throat of Trevor Murdoch with the easy one, two, three. You count to a hundred after that chop or spike or whatever, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, but yeah, question mark wins as always. Next match, you have the NWA Tag Team Championships. The challengers are the the wild cards who are comprised of Tom Latimer and Royce Isaacs. You might know Tom Latimer as Bram from his TNA days. So you have the wild cards versus the champions, the Rock and Roll Express. And if you're thinking, oh man, they got a new they got some new young guys and they're branding themselves as the Rock and Roll Express, that's pretty cool. And which I would say to you, no no. It's the actual Rock and Roll Express, the actual 90-year-old Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton. The actual Rock and Roll Express are now nine-time NWA Tag Team Champions. And, uh, I mean, you saw them, you may have saw, if you watched uh, AEW's last pay-per-view, these two can go more than they should be able to. I mean... Obviously, they're not as good as they were when they won their first championships, like, what, 30 years ago? But they still got enough to put on a, a more than passable match with the wild cards. Um, ultimately, <laughs> believe it or not, getting the win um, over Tom Latimer and Royce Isaacs. Yeah, so with the, I should mention, um, in this match, the Rock and Roll Express had the team of uh, Eddie Kingston and Homicide in their corner. And the wild cards had uh, the Dawson's. Uh, Zane and Dave Dawson, I, th- I believe their names are. Um, so it's kind of basically setting the table for the tag division here in NWA. Kind of getting a feel for how it's going to progress forward. Uh, the tag division, you know, kind of like the women's division, it's not super strong. Obviously, you have the Rock and Roll Express as the tag team champions in 2019, but they're still building. I have optimism going forward. But um, this match was better than it had any right to be. And... um. Good stuff. Good stuff all around. Speaking of tag matches, the next match is uh, Allison Kay, who is the NWA Women's Champion, teaming 
originally supposed to team with Ashley Vox, and there we're going to face Molina and Marty Bell. But uh, as you heard from my voice telling you, Ashley Vox was brutally assaulted earlier in the night, so she is unable to compete in this match. So Allison Kay needs a new partner, and who else? Who else would be her partner other than old dirty bitch ODB making her return here to NWA? And man, oh man, was the crowd hot for it? Um, definitely kind of a typical ODB, same old, same old. Um, Melina, you know, kind of you get what you get with her. She was never a uh, a crazy athlete in the ring, but um. She definitely held her own here. Marty Bell stinks. Get rid of her. Um, and Allison Kay was uh, she, she's a champion. She's definitely like the Charlotte of this division. You know, just this tall, strong, blonde woman. And yeah, she she carries herself like a champion. And uh, but I'm gonna be honest. I don't even remember who won this match. It was kind of a whatever match. I mean, Molina and Marty Bell, kind of just a team thrown together. Marty Bell is probably one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. So she kind of brought Molina down with her and then uh you know odb is old as her name entails and then allison k did the best she could to carry this match but can only do so much with what you're given next match is the nwa national championship match you have the champion here colt cabana in a triple threat match defending his title against ricky starks and aaron stevens aaron stevens has uh removed his gi and replaced it with his terrifying nude colored trunks um, I hope he does that as a as a goof and it doesn't really think that looks good because my god that is a great heel move that's very terrifying to see. Um, you know, Cole Cabana is, is as good as he's ever been. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves because he does all the comedy stuff and he's really great at that and he's entertaining at that. But he can really put on a great match when he wants to. Ricky Starks, I'm not too familiar with what he did before NWA, but from what I've seen from him. He's definitely uh, got a lot, got a very bright future. He's got a lot of charisma. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time telling if he's, a, he's supposed to be a heel or a babyface. But he has a lot of charisma, a lot of athleticism, and I think in time he'll mold into a huge star for this company if he stays there or for whatever company he ends up going to. And then you obviously have Aaron Stevens, who is hilarious and just a, a dickhead when he wants to be. And I think he brings a lot. Not only to this match, but he brings a lot to NWA in general. He's one of the most entertaining aspects of it, in my opinion. Um, but this match is pretty good. Um, you have Aaron Stevens kind of being a coward outside of the ring, like hiding behind the Christmas tree. They had like a little Christmas tree set up by the commentator's table, and like <laughs> they cut over it part of the match. And uh, you know, the tree has like a little skirt because it's like on a platform, right? And it has like the little black skirt around it. And Aaron Stevens is like laying under it like it's a blanket, like you're trying to hide from the guys in the match. So it's it's pretty much a match between Colt Cabana and Ricky Starks. But then, uh, you know, Aaron Stevens, because he comes out there with question mark, right? Because obviously they're a tag team. Yeah, basically question mark gets involved. Aaron Stevens sneaks in when nobody's looking and gets the sneaky pin over. Um, who did he pin? Doesn't matter who he pinned. Basically. Aaron Stevens snuck in there, got the pin, and now he is the NWA national champion. It's a, uh, I can see people not liking this match, but it was pretty entertaining in my opinion because Aaron Stevens is fucking great. Um, and with that, that brings us to the main event. You have the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship being defended by the champion Nick Aldis versus James Storm. Um, I expected more of this match, honestly. I think Nick, I think both these guys have great characters. I think they both have a lot of conviction whenever they talk. 
I think they both are very genuine. I think they are both very smooth on the mic, and and they I I believe them when they talk. I believe them when they uh, are creating heat between each other. If we're just talking about the bell to bell wrestling here, it left a, a lot to be desired, in my opinion. I think um because I believe what you have you have James Storm getting the quick pin right with a super kick, the kind of out of nowhere catching uh, Nick Aldis by surprise, which is good. Um, then they wrestle a little longer, and then Nick Aldis gets a win. Gets like a like a roll up win, I believe. It's two out of three falls, obviously. So the final fall is being decided. And then, uh, so uh, another uh, detail I should have mentioned. So it's two out of three falls. So James Storm gets to pick the ref for the first fall. Nick Aldis gets to pick the ref for the second fall. And then the third fall, the referee is decided by a coin toss, which fine, fine, whatever. Um, James Storm just picks Brian Hebner, who's a normal referee. Nick Aldis picks Tim Storm. Tim Storm, who is the former NWA champion that Nick Aldis beat to capture the championship. But Nick Aldis and Tim Storm have have formed a bond over the past few weeks, so they're kind of friendly. So the premise of that is, okay, Nick Aldis thinks Tim Storm's going to call the match in his favor, which sets the storyline, sets the possibilities for the match, builds it up. So now we have the match and we see what happens. So first of all, James Storm wins. Second fall, Nick Aldis wins. Third fall, the referee is uh, ends up being Brian Hebner. So that ultimately takes the Tim Storm storyline out of the equation, or at least we think, or at least we thought at the moment. So they have a pretty good match, a pretty solid match. Then uh, Brian Hebner gets clothesline out of his fucking boots. <laughs> He's he ends up being like on the ground for like the. the last 20 minutes of the show from this clothesline so tim storm basically has to take over for the referee position nick aldis puts james storm in a texas cloverleaf or whatever he calls it i guess that's his finisher tim storm basically calls the match without james storm tapping out so james storm's in the hold but basically tim storm makes the call that he's no longer able to compete so he ring calls for the bell nick aldis wins nick aldis retains the championship so kind of a dusty finish, kind of a, a confusing, kind of honestly kind of anticlimactic finish. I feel like they could have done so much more with what they were given here. Um, I feel like Tim Storm could have played a big, I mean, obviously he played, he ultimately played the biggest part of the match, but I feel like it could have been a little bit more descript. And you had like Nick Aldis's former manager, uh, Camille, um, kind of, it's kind of a question on if she's on siding with Nick Aldis or James Storm here. So I, I feel like that could have played a bigger part in this match as well. Uh, um, maybe they're doing more going forward. From my understanding, they have another pay-per-view coming up here in about a month, month and a half. So maybe there'll be a continuation of this. However, I neglected to mention that after this match concluded, uh, Nick Aldis uh, walked up to the podium with his title. It was kind of promo. And then the lights go out. And then you hear that, that, that ominous, that very noticeable whoop whoop. Then lo and behold, Marty Skrull, umbrella and all, walks out, basically letting everybody know that he's joined NWA, which caught me off guard. I had no idea. I figured he would definitely go to AEW. I know he has a bunch of buddies there. Um, but looks like he's joining the NWA, and I am... I'm super pumped for that because that's like that's like a a character that I feel like is is kind of the type, the type of character that's kind of missing from NWA, um, and I assume he'll be right in the title picture, challenging Nick Aldis. So we'll see what happens with that as well. But 
Hell yeah, Marty Scurll. Love it. But yeah, that was the end of a, a pretty great show. And uh, NWA is just a, it's a cool show, man. I mean, if you're a little older than I am, you were really into wrestling back in the... Uh, you know, the 70s and 80s around that time frame they keep consistent with that tone of back in the day but they add their modern flair to it so basically you can't you can't lose with nwa um so yeah into the fire good show good show i recommend it and look forward to how they progress going forward uh so with that i think that pretty much covers it thank you guys for listening don't forget to follow subscribe to whatever platform you listen to this on if you leave a review or a star rating i will literally come over there and give you a kiss on the lips but yeah that's about it so if you aren't hard right now then get well um what was it uh don't just get hard stay hard <laughs>